Welcome to Outspoken, where we dive deep into the topics and intersection of technology, money, business, and passion. I'm your host, Shana Cosgrove. She loved being a mom. Oh, she, that was the most important thing in the world, but she loved her career too. And see, you can love both. And they would say, oh, I want to do something more creative. And I'm like, this is creative. It's like a video game or a computer game. And you figure out how to go to the next level. That's how I look at it. I have to say, my kids have all thanked me, especially my daughters. They said, thank you for being a working mom. They've thanked me. They said, I just think it's interesting and you've been a good example to me. I am thrilled absolutely thrilled to be speaking to you today. I know you have an idea that you influenced my life, which is so funny because I didn't think you even knew until I like wrote that article. But I know. Kathy King, Kathy with a C, King with With a K. K. Correct. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) And Kathy was one of the seven Warner children who I grew up next door to. And they, I'm the baby of my family. And where are you in your lineup? I was second. Did you babysit me growing up? I did. I did. <laughs> I remember when you were born. Yeah, because you weren't there first. It was Sydney and Tanya. And, and I love when you're talking to your dad about your mom putting you in those little, little dresses, those frilly dresses, because that's when we met you. You in these beautiful little frilly dresses running around. <laughs> she loved us to look like dolls. She liked everything to be pretty. You have seven brothers and sisters? I have six brothers and sisters. I used to live at their house for two reasons. One. They had an encyclopedia. That oh, was a yeah. big deal in that time. Yeah, it was probably from like 1950, but still, you know. Yeah, I always <laughs> found your dad intimidating, but he really? always welcomed me. Oh, yeah, okay. Mr. Warner. Wow. Really? Wally. <laughs> Wally. And he always welcomed me and let me borrow the encyclopedia. So now today, I'm always sure to give money to the Wikipedia Foundation. Oh, that's great. I went over to your house later to play piano. And I think I stole your beginner Christmas book of music. And what's so cute, I should show you a video. My son started playing some of the songs. Oh, send me that. Isn't that adorable? Like generations. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, He doesn't love playing, but he did have it out. And it was motivating to him to be able to play the Christmas songs. So my mother was... I don't know if Neb knows was the right word. And I don't even know if that's a Pittsburgh term. It is a Pittsburgh term. (laughs) And she was, but I loved it. I loved it. You know what? I never met anyone like your mother. And I think my mom's probably 10 years older than your mom. So really was a different generation. Well, different personalities regardless. Oh, personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. And I've never met anyone like your mom. You know, your mom came in like a ball of energy and moved next door. And she was like... Hey, Kathy, you know, question after question and talk to me like a normal person. That made an impression on me, number one, straight up. Like, I was very shy. You know, it's kind of weird being in a fam- a big family. You know, you kind of can get lost. And she gave me attention and she talked to me and, and said interesting things that nobody ever said to me before. Well, I think she gave you a lot of unsolicited advice, didn't she? She sure did, yeah. <laughs> but some of it was good. Unsol- a lot of it Like, was what good. did she say? Okay, so one time I remember I used to do chores for your mom just for extra money, you know, babysitting. And then I come over and clean. I remember one time, this stuck in my head. She said, hey, Kathy, you know that you could be a mother, but you can also have a career. You know that, don't you? And I'm like, oh, 
okay. At the time, I wasn't really thinking of this. I was probably middle school, high school. I wasn't thinking of either, you know. I, I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah. She goes, don't let anyone kid you. Your kids will love you just the same, and you'll be able to do more for them. She says, you can have the best of both worlds. You said maybe I was a bit of an inspiration. See, your mom was the inspiration for me because at the time, like I said, I didn't pay any attention. I did pay attention, but she like planted a seed. It was put there, you know, and it wasn't anything I was going to do for 10 more years, but it was put there. So, and I observed her, you know, she worked and she, she loved being a mom. Oh, she, that was the most important thing in the world. Oh, yeah. she, loved, she loved her career too. Yeah. And see, you can love both. You know, and in that day, you know, for me, like I said, I, I didn't come from that environment. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. And all my friends' moms, if they did work, it was it was a job. It wasn't a career. You know, just make a little extra money. So I did read this book once. It's called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. You know, this old fellow dies. And before he can go into heaven, he meets these people that change the course of his life. And, you know, some of them he knew well. Some he didn't know at all. And some he barely remembered. Your mom is one of those people, Nyla. Yeah, she changed the course of my life. How so? Just her example of something I had never seen before. When I was in high school, you know, it was a bit before you, you know. So I knew I was good at math. The only reason I knew this was because uh, Mr. Cohill, did you have Mr. Cohill? For uh-huh. yeah, okay. He came up to me one day and I was, I was, again, I was quite shy. And he said, somebody is an underachiever. I'm like, okay. And he said, you scored second highest in math on your PSATs. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I I was more embarrassed by it, by the way he told me it. And I don't think I even mentioned it to anybody, you know, but I just thought math was obvious. It wasn't something that I thought I'm good at math. It's just an obvious thing. It did something I didn't have to think about. When I went to college, I didn't know what I wanted to be. And I did like sports. I went to Slippery Rock, Slippery Rock University. I wanted to be a gym teacher because I was in sports, uh, Title IX, uh, funded the women's sports and the men's sports came right around the time I hit high school. So, you know, I played basketball and ran track and I loved it. And I thought, well, I, I love sports. You know, maybe I want to be a gym teacher and do this for the rest of my life. So I go first semester. Uh, uh-uh, <laughs> This is what I want. You know, I, lo- I didn't like sports as much as I thought I liked them. We had tests on like lacrosse. I'm like, oh, I really don't care about it. <laughs> So I said, I got to change my major. Don't know what to change it to. We didn't have a lot of counseling back then. There's another person that I met. I'm walking down the hall and somebody called, her name is Mary Beth Smith. She said, hey, Kath, how you doing? I said, I'm okay. I said, I'm trying to figure out what to change my major to. And she says, hey, are you good at math? And I said, yeah. (laughs) It's the second person. I actually am good at math. I never thought about it, but yes. And she said, why don't you go into computer science? And I was like, huh, what's that? I had never been on a computer. I didn't even know how to type. What year is this? 79, 80. I said, uh, what is it? And she said, well, you know, it, it's fun. It's like logic. And I said, oh, that sounds good. And there you go. So that was your major? Mm, well, there's another thing there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that was your major. Well, it was for a couple of years. And then I, this is one of the things I regretted was I went into more of the business aspect. I turned into, went into the business program. My major was actually in business, but I had half computer science, half business by the time. And they didn't really have an MIS degree at that point. You know, the second I graduated, I said, hey, I wish I would have stayed in computer science. So I started taking classes to go back into it. I did go to graduate school after that. So I worked at Pitt for about a year. 
And then I said, I'd like to go back to graduate school. What's so interesting is at this point in time, does your family even have a computer at the house? Oh my gosh, no. When we did our assignments, we didn't have them in our dorms either. It was mainframes. We went down to the computer lab and you had to wait. Three in the morning, you're, you're waiting for a computer. You had to put yourself through school, right? I did. What did you do to put yourself through school? Oh, I worked in the cafeteria. Uh, I did run track a little bit in college. So I worked in the athletic office and then uh, I worked as a waitress. I worked at South Park Inn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we paid for our own school. You know, my dad wanted us to have an education. He wanted us to be able to take care of ourselves, you know, but it was kind of vague and uh, it was up to us to pay for it. Are you looking for more from your career than just a paycheck? At Nyla, we offer that and so much more. Join us for a career where your growth is our priority with generous pay, unbeatable benefits, and a supportive environment that cheers on your every achievement. We're scouting for top-tier data scientists, software engineers ready for something bigger. Ready to be a part of a company that cares about where you're going? We're ready for you. Check us out at nylatechnologysolutions.com or drop us a line at hello at nyla.io. Did you have guidance on what to do upon graduation as you were looking at graduating? I didn't really. I don't think that I did. And it was a really bad time to graduate. It was right when Pittsburgh, it's right when the steel industry crashed. Everybody was laid off on our street. So yeah, it was rough. So I was able to get a job at Pitt and I was able to take classes when I started taking computer science classes. And then, like I said, I went to graduate school. And of course, I did not finish graduate school at that time. My husband, and he was my fiance at the time, I went to school in Bowling Green, Ohio. And I had a year in and I went to visit him and saw Southern California. And I said, hmm, maybe I'll put my resume out just to see. And Uh, The next day I got a call and they wanted someone at McDonnell Douglas that knew accounting and knew how to program. That's how you ended up in aerospace. Yeah, that's how I ended up in aerospace. And that was it. And it was a great offer. And I'm like, do I want to spend another year here? I'll I'll finish it. I'll finish it later. I'm going. Once I saw California, I'm like, wait a minute, this people can live here? (laughs) How did you even apply to a job there? What did you mail a resume? I went out and there was a job fair. And the funny thing was, is, you know, people poo-poo Slippery Rock. The guy that called me, he calls me in his office and he sits there. He's like, Slippery Rock, huh? And I I thought he was going to make fun of it. And he said, my parents graduated from Slippery Rock Teachers College in Pennsylvania. That's why he got my resume. And he didn't even interview me. He was like, you're going to sit over there. He had a stack of resumes. He says, I never had anyone come through. And his parents graduated there. So you just never know. Sometimes luck is on your side. Now, you were engaged before you went out there. What did your fiancé think of this? He was working at Douglas at the time, too. So, yeah, I think he wanted me to come out. I had gone to visit him. That's when I fell in love with it. I went out, I think, in the summer and said, wow. And my thing was, if I get a job, fine. If not, I'll go back and finish. And it was, should I just finish? But what if I don't get such a good job offer in the year? You know, I was like your dad when he said he, he wanted to be maybe an attorney, but he wanted to make money. I was ready to make money. Do you remember your salary at Pitt? Oh, it was terrible. It's hardly ever minimum wage because when I went to Douglas, it was four times what I was making at Pitt. 
What'd you make at Douglas? So your first real job out of college? It was like 26000 something like that. That was a lot back then. Were you like, holy cow, we're rich? Yeah. You have a fiance who he is an engineer? Yeah, he's an engineer. We thought this is it. You know, this is, I'm ready to go, ready to, to make some money and get, start my career. How did you meet your husband? I also met my husband at Slippery Rock. He was in a 3-2 engineering program where you, you started, you could go to Pitt or Penn State. Whenever I was working at Pitt, he was walking down a pit and he said, hey, Kathy Warner. And I'm like, yeah. So he remembered you. He did remember me. Yep. And he looked different. So I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. he's lifting. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you're like brains and beauty. <laughs> And he's an aerospace engineer, right? Uh, he's a civil engineer. I always thought he was maybe mechanical. He was a civil engineer. He never even calls himself an aerospace, but he's been working for 35 years. He's gone, you know, he's a management, engineering manager. And I think through the years, he's become, he knows everything about air. I didn't know how much he knew about airplanes until he worked from home. And he never <laughs> talks about his job. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> got people from all over the world talking to him. So, yeah. So you were excited to move to California, which is interesting because so many people from Pittsburgh have a hard time leaving Pittsburgh, especially you had yeah. such a close-knit family there. Yeah, it was weird leaving my family. As you know, we are very close. So yeah, but I was ready. I was ready to do something. You know, I look back now and it was a great move. It really was. Because like I said, it just started, kick-started my career and I've been doing it for 35 years. So it was something right. They put you in accounting and programming? Yeah, there was a program. It was a financial system. They wanted someone that understood the application. What was the financial system? Was it a mainframe? It was mainframe. Yeah, it was PL1, I think. Did you have guilt or concern about being a working woman while you were married or had children? Was there conflict like in the marriage about you making money? Or did he have an expectation of you being a stay-at-home mom once you had a kid? No, not my husband, not at all. When I first had my daughter, I was in California. And, you know, it took me a while, believe it or not, to get pregnant. I ended up with five kids. So <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to try to, to arrange something part-time. And this is why I wanted to stay technical. Because right before that, I, I'd had a job where they're moving me into being a project manager. And I took the project manager position. But I said, I need to do some of the programming. Because in the back of my mind, here's your mom hitting me. I want to have kids. I got to stay in it. I think I'd be better off working part-time with a technical background than a management background. You're not going to have a part-time. You have to be there full-time for that. And this is the days where you had to be at work. You know, they didn't do remote. So I got pregnant again. And my husband started looking back in Pennsylvania for a job because I thought, well, you know, now, I might, now that I have kids, I'd like to be closer to my family. I think it was out there eight years and I moved back. So when he first came back to Pittsburgh, I didn't work at first. I thought, I'm going to try this stay-at-home mom thing. And I did it for, I would say, a year until my brother-in-law approached me and said, hey, we need someone to do our law system. Do you know access? So I had always worked on mainframes before. I had PCs, but they were more like dumb terminals. And I said, I said I'm sure I can learn it. The second, Shana, I remember I put my kids to bed, baby to bed, sat down, got back on that computer again. It was like, I am happy. This makes me happy. I, I, I love my kids. And that's where your mom came back. But I love this. I lo it's all a big puzzle to me. And I'm going to figure this out. And it was, I was a new person. And I knew it. And from that point forward, I worked, was a full-time mom from that point forward. 
did your mom support you or did she make you feel guilty? My mom, I don't think she came around yet to the working mom completely. I'm not sure she made me feel guilty, but it just wasn't her thing. I, d- I think she was, you know, from the old school where a mom stays home. You know, they saw their, their daughters working and they came around. And in fact, you know, my sister Chrissy worked for my dad for yeah. many years. So I think that women whose mothers didn't work feel more guilt, but I have never, I've never struggled with, am I a good mom uh, from that? Because mainly, especially, you know, my mom passed when I was 30. And I just remember the number one thing about her is I felt very, very loved. This podcast is sponsored by Nyla Technology Solutions, an SBA certified 8A hub zone woman-owned small business specializing in full-stack software engineering and data science services to the U.S. government. Our innovative solutions are built to match the speed of mission. For more information, partnering opportunities, and new job openings, please visit our website, www.nyla.io. You are working from home and I don't remember what year this is, but it was in the early 1990s. I start. I started at my own company with a friend. Oh, you yeah. did? Yeah. What was it yeah, called? Yeah. Software Advantage. Nice. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. How long did you have your business for? Uh, for a couple of years. She still has the name, but I ended up getting a job because I was making more money. <laughs> I got. A couple, I, I think it was Y2K. <laughs> they paid like a ton of money. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> what did you do with all that extra money then? Oh, well, I had five kids, remember? (laughs) (laughs) Ask them. (laughs) They still have it. (laughs) My mother was so impressed with you being an engineer. So she called you an engineer. She loved that you had five kids. She just thought that was absolutely incredible. But she did laugh because she said you wanted four and then you had the twins. (laughs) (laughs) So she always thought that was funny. And she was so proud that you had a nanny who had a master's degree in education. She's like, that woman runs that ship. Kathy's upstairs working. And that nanny's got them doing craft time and making snacks. It's absolutely incredible. And Kathy makes so much money, she can't quit working. She (laughs) held you up as the ideal woman. She was so proud of you. And I think it's so funny because what really appealed to me, well, one, I like that you made money and you were, you were a mom, but it was really appealing to me, the idea of working from home. Yeah. Which is weird because one, I'm pretty, well, people think of me as extroverted, but two, I never worked from home until like two years ago. Wow. (laughs) Ever. In this day and age, yeah. I know. All of my software yeah. jobs, all of my jobs were not cool about like working from home. I tried pulling it off on like one or two jobs and it was really like shamed. It was really yeah. not cool. I know. Some companies were still like that till last year. How have you learned to keep up with the technology? What has been your main method of staying current? First of all, when I say I never finished my master's, I am on my very last course of a master's degree in computer science <laughs> from Boston University. Started in 2017. That's one thing. I'm proud of that because I have all A's and an A minus. It's been difficult because, you know, a lot of people don't expect a woman to be a programmer. 
most people don't expect an older woman to be a programmer. So I'm doing it just to have it. I have changed over the years. I just kept online classes. I would say, here's a big jumps that I went through over the many years. So I think I told you I started doing PC programming in the 90s. You know, I was doing mainframe first, just PC. Started doing, you know, web programming, uh, like late 90s. I had a contract when we had our company and we I had to learn Cold Fusion. And it was a, you know, kind of a web program thing that translated into HTML. So I had to learn, you know, the HTML first and kind of got involved with that. And then I started working for my brother Joe's company, 2010 Solutions. They started off being uh, marketing and graphic design, but uh, we also, now he does systems. The biggest jump I think that I had to learn was um, object-oriented programming. We didn't learn that. And so right around that time, we started doing .NET, ASP.NET, that whole concept of classes and inheritance and instantiation and all of that was new. And because before it was, it was more like linear, you know, you might run a function, you might do that, but you came back to that code, but this was event driven. And also the server side and the client side, learning JavaScript. I had done JavaScript before just for the PC, but kind of getting that together. That was a big hurdle for me because for a little bit I had books out and I was, you know, learning it. I felt, am I going to be able to do this? And then it clicked. And that was like, I can do this. I was probably maybe about your age then. I can learn this. And I did. And then you went into MVC. That was a whole new concept. Model view controller. Absolutely. Yeah. Like now you've got your model here and you've got your view. <laughs> you know, you're breaking it off here. And I'm like, oh, I used to do that all together. But okay, I'll learn it. <laughs> and now I've moved on to doing some cybersecurity. That was probably the biggest challenge when that when people started hacking. And I think we had SQL injection. This was maybe 10 years ago. And and I'm like, uh-oh, this is a whole new thing. So then, of course, you're researching how to combat the cybersecurity. But, you know, you feel good. You feel like you've accomplished something that you've combated them off, kind of. And <laughs> What type of cybersecurity uh, coding have you done? Adding the protection, you know, making sure you're always, you always do your updates. You kind of almost have to think how they think. Making sure that you have nothing on the command line. Making sure you, that someone can inject JavaScript. Who do you geek out with and share this passion for programming with? I have one friend I can <laughs> geek out with. One. Out of all these years. Vivian Karasawa. She and I met at McDonnell Douglas back in the day. Out of all the people that I've known through the years, she's the only one that stayed technical. And we do. We, we tell each other really like boring things about, well, this one guy didn't write the procedure right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he, they ran it and they didn't put the right key in. And we're like, and we, we talk for hours because we're the only ones that can understand <laughs> it. Do you actually talk on the phone or do you like chat across? No, we talk on the phone, but we're, we're old school. We still do it. I do think that's it. You know, some of my friends, they know I have a job and they know, oh, she does this, but they don't really understand you know, and it's almost like I think of this with the customers and, and it's fine. It is kind of a black box, you know, it's like pay no attention to that person behind the curtain, like the <laughs> Wizard of Oz, and they don't care how it gets done, but they, they don't want it to fail. That's the thing. And I tell this to people for longevity, anybody that's starting and you know how it is, you have to pat yourself on the back because no one, I don't think people get what you do. And it's like that with a lot of things. You know, I don't know how airplanes fly. I just get on it and want it to work. So, and when you put something together, and especially if you're doing web programming, there can be no errors. It's not like, oh, this works 95%. 
5% might fail. <laughs> Can't do that. It's like an all or nothing. How long did you work for your brother? I still work for him now. He contracts me out is pretty much how it is. I work for a company called Visiting Angels. I've been working there for probably 14 years. What do they do? They're home health care. Not health, really, but more like a companion or going in and helping someone do their errands or taking them to doctor's appointments, medication reminders. It's, it's a big business now. What's it like to work with your brother or for your brother? Well, you should know you work with your dad. It's similar. <laughs> of course, my sister worked for my dad, too. You put on your not family face when you're with the customers, obviously. I mean, we get along, obviously. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a working relationship. We turn the family talk off. Probably talk to them more at work than we do about any family talk. You know, when you work with your family, you don't usually talk to them offline as much. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your children. Did any of them end up studying and being engineers? Yes, two. Two out of five. My second daughter is an electrical engineer, and she works for Doctor On Demand. She's programs, programs in Python. She started doing, I guess, like electrical systems or something, but she said she liked programming too. So that, that was interesting. And my son is a mechanical engineer, and he works for a 3D printing company. He loves the hands-on. I, I see the similar trait. We like to be hands-on. He does the design, but he likes to see the process made all the way through. Did you feel a special pride when your daughter picked electrical? I did. I did. And I couldn't believe because I would say, why don't you go into programming? And they would say, oh, I want to do something more creative. And I'm like, this is creative. It's like a video game or a computer game. And you figure out how to go to the next level. That's how I look at it. And then she started programming in college. Some of the classes when you're an electrical engineer, you have to take programming. And she works for Doctor On Demand. She's programs, programs in Python. She started, I think, doing more like electrical systems or something. But she said she liked programming, too. And all of my kids that have taken any kind of programming, my oldest daughter, she's a master's in public health. She had to take a fourth generation program. She goes, hey, mom, I really like this. I said, I can see that it does run in the family. Is there a book that you've read that has made a big impact on you? Yes, I think it's The Rainbow Comes and Goes, the book Anderson Cooper and his mother, Gloria Vanderbilt. He didn't really have a close relationship with her. So she turned 90 and he said, I really want to get to know you more. So they started doing an email exchange and it turned into this book. I was so impressed with Gloria Vanderbilt. I mean, she was like the poor little rich girl when she was younger. She started Vanderbilt Jeans when she was, I think, 54. She was obviously super wealthy, but she was still trying to do things, right? And then he says, I feel like I've got more to do. And she said, I'm 90 and I feel like I have more to do. I've read this in a book club and I stood up I'm like, because one of them said, I am a restless spirit. That's when I stood up and said, hey, I'm a restless spirit. I feel like there's more to do. I don't want to retire. I'm more like your dad when I listen to him and oh, respect. <laughs> and he's going to turn 80 and he's still doing contracts for you. This is what I want to do. There's miles to go before I sleep. What is your impression of strong? What does that mean to you? You said my mother was strong. How did that look? She loved you and she instilled such confidence in you. You were very inquisitive when you were little because this does not surprise me, this podcast. Because <laughs> when I would come home from California, it was like 20 questions. I, I remember going into your living room and you and Tanya, I don't, not, not Sydney as much, and your mom, you're like, oh, what's this? What do you do? What's this? Like, yeah, that's what I mean by a strong personality. That's someone that was going to make it in the world. What was the best piece of advice you got growing up? Both my parents. You have to treat people with respect and they will treat you with respect. And that's one of the things I always feel that my customers, I never talk down to them. And I've actually had some people say to me, it was an SEO company, and they said, we like talking to you because you don't make us feel stupid. 
I don't think, you know, you need to put on an attitude, but you've got to listen to them. And I think with that mutual respect, everybody is your customer. Is there anything if you went back that you would do differently? Yeah. And it was a good lesson. One time, I was early in my career, somebody I worked with kind of got under my skin. I let her get under my skin. I thought back at it and I thought, that was my problem. And I said, I'm never, ever, ever letting anybody get under my skin again. When I think back, I think, I don't know what it was that bothered me so much. I was very young, maybe 25 or six. And I thought, I'm never going to let that happen again. And I never did. I have done differently from letting that happen. I just think most people are good people. Most people, you have to look at where they're coming from and um, accept people for who they are. And you end up getting along with them. You and your husband have worked your entire careers, except for that one brief time you were at home. Right. And you've raised five children together, two of whom are twins. So you had three girls, which is quite a thing, all in a row, and then twin boys. That was a nice surprise. What tips on being working parents and marriage do you have for people? One thing you don't want to do is have to clean your house when, you know, you've been working all day and you want to try to split your time with your kids. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a win-win for you and the person that's in your house. Sometimes when I was paying, I was paying for daycare or the nanny, and I thought, should I really be paying this person to come clean my house? But it just gave me so much more time to spend with my kids. I have to say, my kids have all thanked me, especially my daughters. They said, thank you for being a working mom. They've thanked me. They said, I just think it's interesting, and you've been a good example to me. Did that surprise you? By the time they said it, maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't have thought it when my kids were younger. Am I doing the right thing? But they, they thanked me. What advice do you have for marriage? How many years have you been married now? It's coming up on 35. Wow. Yeah. You know, we have a sort of an unconventional marriage. My husband got transferred down to Dallas here in 2015. And so he, he commuted for a year. And then once the boys went to school, he said, I'm going down. I said, all right, well, I kind of want to be here for my kids. I don't want to be that, that family that your kids went off to school and you moved somewhere else. You know, we've spent, you know, time together, time away. I travel a lot because he works for the airlines. So I have friends, I have friends all over the world. And, you know, I, I, he doesn't like to travel. It's kind of odd. We're, we're very different in that way. But he's really happy to see me go. He knows that's kind of part of me, a little bit of a nomad in me. So I just think, you know, you're not going to be the same. And I think as you get older, you just respect the differences. And it's just got to laugh a lot. You know, you spend time making fun of each other, like kind of to your face. And it's funny, like if he says something funny, I laugh and then I'll say something back and you see him smile. You have to have a sense of humor. I, I can't imagine not. Tell me something about yourself that might surprise others. I did love sports and I played basketball for many years in ladies leagues where we played and I realized that I was getting older. So I started an over 40 league and I played until I was 50. I thank you so much for talking with me today. That was fun. Keep going forever. And I love now that I know we can have these conversations, someone that can understand the technical humor. I didn't really even chat with you about my computer science degree. I don't think I ever once talked to you about it. I only heard essentially from passing my mother bragging about you. And I thought that sounds really appealing to me. I would like a life like that. And I'm going to go off and study computer science. Never talked to you. I don't think I ever sent you an email. Nothing. But knowing of you and knowing that it was computer science programming, I went off and studied computer science. And I just think about the impact of hearing those stories, right? Like you don't even have to influence or repeatedly like, uh, you know, I badger basically everybody to study computer science. But 
just seeing you out there as a family and thriving and as a mom. And then as my mother always said, too much money that you can't not work. (laughs) It wasn't just that you worked. It was that you made a lot of money. She was so proud of you. And yeah, that had a big impact on me. And so I wanted to share these stories of the path that people took and why. Well, I thank you so much for talking with me today. Uh, Same here. It was was so much fun. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Please be sure to share it with friends and family. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn under the Outspoken Podcast. Thanks again, and chin up, heads up, eyes forward.